Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. It's Thursday, January 12th. Welcome to the BOF podcast. It's been a historic week in American politics as the cogs of a 200-year-old democracy played out on the world stage as President Donald J. Trump was impeached for the second time following the deadly siege last week of the U.S. Capitol building by a group of white supremacists, far-right-wing militia, and conspiracy groups who were egged on by Trump and facilitated by social media, which carried his dangerous messages. This is unprecedented, not only because Trump is the first president to be impeached twice, but also because there has been a massive business response to the unfolding political crisis. In a matter of days, major tech companies deplatformed the president and accounts affiliated with pro-Trump violence, preventing them from using Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Amazon, Google, Shopify, and scores of other internet services. They joined iconic U.S. business behemoths from Goldman Sachs and Walmart to Hallmark and AT&T in pulling political contributions to the Republican lawmakers who voted against the U.S. election certification results. Even the powerful Republican-leaning National Association of Manufacturers issued a strongly word statement saying, This is chaos. It is mob rule. It is dangerous. This is sedition and should be treated as such. The outgoing president incited violence in an attempt to retain power. But amidst it all, the February cover of U.S. Vogue, featuring Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, leaked online. When you think of Vogue magazine, you think high fashion, top-notch styling, and luxury designer. So many were shocked to see the cover with the VP-elect, with the general consensus being that the magazine just missed the mark. Criticism on social media has been swift after Vogue's February cover featuring Vice President-elect Kamala Harris was leaked. It was journalist Yashar Ali who was the first to publish the cover on Twitter on Saturday, saying the Vice President-elect's team was not expecting this particular cover option. By now, you have seen Harris in skinny tailoring and black Converse sneakers in front of the signature colors of her Howard University sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha. Observers on social media did not take well to the way Harris was depicted. Some said the photo was poorly lit and that Harris's skin looked washed out. Others focused on the fact that Harris and the historic moment her new role represents had been disrespected by such a casual portrayal. The controversy accelerated further after Vogue published another digital cover with Harris in a Michael Kors powder blue suit, a more presidential and fitting a portrait, according to some, and the one Harris's team was expecting to be on the cover. 
to better understand the gravity of the political moment in Washington, D.C., and how a Vogue cover became a flashpoint amidst the U.S. political crisis, I spoke to Robin Givon, the Pulitzer Prize-winning writer, who is the senior critic-at-large writing about politics, race, and the arts for the Washington Post, and whose own column on the topic was headlined, Vogue Got Too Familiar Too Fast. First, I asked her about the mood in Washington, D.C. right now, and how it feels as an American seeing American democracy under threat. I start with just a a deep sigh because I think that for most people, there's just an element of just, there there are no words to really express what we're witnessing. And, um, you know, it's been for for a significant part of the the country, the last four years have been an exhausting, emotional, emotionally draining time, and uh, you know, and then add in a, a pandemic, and then to see this, um, it's just extraordinarily disheartening and and shocking, and and I would also just say I, I think there's also an aspect of um, sort of sad inevitability, um, you know, it just sort of seemed like this was predictable, and yet uh, we were incapable of stopping it. Yeah, you know, I agree. Everyone kind of, you could see this coming with the rhetoric um, that, you know, President Trump has been um, spewing out over the last four years, you know, using social media as a kind of bullhorn to broadcast this kind of, you know, hatred and divisive rhetoric that's, you know, you know, from our perspective over here in London, and I know people other part in other parts of the world are, you know, we always look to America as this kind of beacon of democracy and to see, you know, a country that we admire and look up to so much going through this, it's, you know, we find it, we find it heartbreaking and really, sad as well but you know that point around inevitability i couldn't agree with you more um later today you know it's wednesday we're recording this uh it seems as though president trump will be impeached by the house of representatives you know what do you think this will signify you know in this crisis that that america is going through right now this political crisis i think that's a really good question i i'm not sure um you know, I, I think we've gotten to a point w- in, at, at which every time there's been a sense of, okay, this is, you know, the nader, like it has to sort of uh, uh, shift at this point, shift for the better. Um, and we've kind of been proven wrong. So, um, you know, an, a, a president who has been, will have been impeached twice is a pretty extraordinary thing. But I, I think we have really clear evidence from last week that there's a certain percentage of the population who will be undeterred and who will be even more exercised. And, you know, and ultimately it will, it has, has it's starting to cease to be about President Trump. And he has just been, um, you know, the, the key that's unlocked this avalanche of darkness, really. 
Um, you know, because a lot of the, the rhetoric that was being spewed out there at the Capitol um, was related to Trump, but, you know, there were a list of grievances that people had that really had nothing to do with who was in the White House. Um, I think it's just been, you know, they've just sort of been given permission to express their grievance in this really violent way. But I do hope that, um, you know, I'm wrong and that, and that uh, the vote will, will mean something and will mean something, um, you know, that will shift things for the better. I mean, I guess some people's perspective could be that this, you know, process that, you know, Congress is going through over the next, you know, few days uh, will be the end of a, a very dark chapter in U.S. history. And we have a new administration uh, starting on January 20th that seems poised to kind of address some of the critical issues that have surfaced during the current administration's tenure. But others are worried, maybe like you, that actually this isn't the end of the chapter. It's just opening up and has highlighted that you know, if 74 million people voted for Donald Trump, there's at least a portion of those people you know, represented by uh, the groups that showed up at the Capitol last week that have been kind of, in a way, activated by Trump. And you know, there's you know, ten, potentially tens of millions of these people, but depending on which you know, opinion polls you believe, you know, what do you what do you think of that? I think it is the end of a particular chapter. Uh, what the next chapter will look like, however, um, I is is the big question. And I don't think that um, you know on on January twentieth at twelve oh one p.m. Uh, you know the sun is magically going to come out and everything's going to be washed away. Um, I, I think it's going, we're going to have a lot of really difficult, difficult work to do. And I think there's going to be a lot of sort of weeding out of some of these, you know, terrible elements in our culture. And I don't think that we can really do that until, you know, we sort of reckon with our history you know, through, for so much of the, the, the rhetoric that's coming from the people who were, you know, the mob that was rioting at the Capitol, so much of it, to my mind, seems to be kind of rooted in an American history uh, of, that deals with race and, you know, gender issues um, and what exactly you know, freedom and equality mean that have never really, uh, that we've ne really, never really come to terms with. And I don't think that we can really move forward productively until we do come to terms with that. And you know, a lot of those people, you know, the first thing that um, they will say when uh, people try to go and examine that history and, and understand what it means for the present is that um, they either don't want to go back there, they don't want to revisit it, they don't want to have that conversation, 
or they simply want to sort of view it through this, these rose-colored lenses and sort of glorify it um, and ignore the worst of it. Yeah, so it begs the question, Robin, you know, in the midst of this, you know, unprecedented situation where an American president is about to be impeached uh, for the second time, um, when race relations in the US are low um, in, in kind of the last few decades, why has this cover of Kamala Harris on, on US Vogue become such a flash storm? I mean, I, I, I'm sure some of our listeners will have read your column, you know, like I did and found it extremely powerful, but I just love for you to, to kind of express and explain, you know, in the midst of, a, of this kind of terrible situation, why a Vogue cover has become such a flash point in the conversation that's happening. Well, I'll preface it by saying that I, um, I, I was very surprised that it became such an issue. I was really stunned that people were so, um, you know, exercised about it. Um, but when I started thinking about it, I mean, it really does sort of feel like, you know, it's, it's kind of pain from a thousand paper cuts. Um, and I think this was just sort of the 1001 paper cut perhaps. Um, you know, the, the cover itself kind of leaked over the weekend and sort of started the conversation on social media. And um, it was the print cover that leaked. And it is a very casual photograph of the vice president-elect. Um, and, you know, the backdrop with the fabric um, echoes um, the colors of her sorority, AKA. And she's wearing the Converse sneakers that she wore often on the campaign trail. And, you know, it's also important to say that, you know, she styled herself, you know, there was not a, a, an outside stylist um, dictating what she should wear. Um, and there were some people who just sort of technically didn't think it was a great photograph. Uh, but the bigger issue seemed to be that it was uh, a very informal photograph and did not really project her um, as this authoritative figure um, in a traditional way with all sort of the accoutrements of uh, sort of political power and, you know, second highest ranking uh, executive in the country. And that really set off um, a bit of a firestorm. And the, the reaction to, to the Vogue cover has really sort of evolved. From, from disappointment and exasperation, at, you know, into anger. And, and I think the disappointment was that in the midst of so much upheaval, in the midst of everything that's going on, um, I, I think people were looking at that vote cover, just wanting to be, you know, happy, wanting to see a celebratory moment and to just kind of rejoice in that. And you know, and once they sort of settled into their disappointment, I think they started getting frustrated that, you know, why did this get screwed up? 
Like, why didn't this come off the way that it should have? And when I was describing, um, trying to, to describe this to someone, I said, you know, it's a little bit like you work and you work and you work to finally get a seat at the table, to finally get a seat, not just at the table, but to get a, a seat at the head of the table. And you arrive and you find that they've given you a folding chair. You know, it's, it's that sense of, um, you know, after everything that has gotten um, us to this point, why have you stripped away all of the, the formality and the grandeur and the authority and, um, you know, the, the background that, you know, distinguishes this position? why are you presenting her like, you know, the nice lady next door? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts, and not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. 
Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Yeah, and the, the answer that Anna Winter gave uh, to Kara Swisher of the New York Times this week was that they felt very, very strong, and I'm quoting, they felt very, very strongly that the less formal portrait of the vice president-elect really reflected the moment that we were living in which we are all in the midst, as we still are, of the most appalling pandemic that is taking lives by the minute. And we felt to reflect this tragic moment in global history, a much less formal picture, something that was very, very accessible and approachable and real, really reflected the hallmark of the Biden-Harris campaign and everything that they are trying to, and I'm sure will achieve. That's what Anna Winter said. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Do you understand what they were trying to achieve with this kind of less formal portrait? And why, why did they fail in the eyes of, of some observers? Yeah, absolutely. I understand that, that point of view. And I think it's, it's legitimate because, you know, this, this wasn't uh, an administration that ran on, um, you know, the idea of, com- you know, of commonality and, um, accessibility and um, you know the the theme that we're you know we're all in this together that no one I mean jo- Joe Biden has often said that his mother used to say to him that um, you know he wasn't better than anyone else and no one was better than you know than he is that um, they, they ran on that and so I do think um, the idea of that kind of informal picture is absolutely legitimate. Um, I, I think, though, that a lot of the upset um, comes from a place that is rooted not so much in, you know, in the current moment, but is rooted in history. And this idea that, um, you know, throughout history, Black women in particular were not given the kind of respect um, that white women were, that um, there is a familiarity that people would have with Black women that was not about, you know, friendship and equality, but was condescending. And I, I, I think, you know, sort of understanding the complicated nature of that um, would have would give one pause in presenting the first um, female vice president, a black woman, um, in that way. Um, you know, one of the interesting comments that I saw on on social media about this was a woman describing how her mother 
um, was recently in the hospital. And she noted that her mother, who is African-American, uh, that when that she was so frustrated that the white nurses kept referring to her mother by her first name uh, and that they couldn't even quite get her first name right. Mm-hmm. And that the black nurses instinctively referred to her mother as Mrs. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and gave her that respect because, um, you know, they sort of hadn't, they hadn't earned that familiarity yeah. yet. And, you know, and I think you sort of get a sense of that when you hear a lot of, um, through the course of the campaign, you'd hear a lot of, um, you know, sort of Republican uh, lawmakers who absolutely knew how to pronounce Kamala Harris's name purposefully mispronouncing it when they were campaigning with uh, President Trump. And you heard him purposely mispronouncing her name. And so that's why I kind of use the idea of, you know, calling her by her first name as a a metaphor for why uh, the Vogue cover rubbed people the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, if, if you were Anna Wintour, what would you do now? I mean, she's clearly regrets the, you know, response. Uh, and I think I, I think I recall the first time you and I ever sat down, Robin. You told me you you worked at Vogue for a short period, so you you know Anna. Um, I heard something this week that they might consider doing another um, version of the print using the the kind of more formal portrait. Um, you know how how do they how do they address this situation other you know beyond the responses that they've issued which have been you know very PR responses frankly it's not really doesn't really seem to be addressing the upset or hurt that it's caused or really getting to this point which was in the headline of your column which is what really resonated with me is that Vogue got too familiar too fast you know what, what do they do now well, I mean, I, you know, the idea of, um, you know, offering the, the alternative, the digital cover as an alternative print cover, I think is helpful because there are a lot of people who, um, you know, who wanted to buy the print edition as a keepsake. Yeah, it's a souvenir, um, right? It's a cultural moment being documented in the most powerful fashion magazine in the world. It's something that people would want to keep. Yeah, I mean, I always say moments like this are, you know, kind of when you realize the value of print because you can't, uh, you know, give a screen grab to your grandchildren. Like you want to be able to hand them, uh, you know, a book. Um, So I do think that is helpful. But, you know, with cases like this, um, you know, there's not really a do-over. You know, at the end of the day, um, I think what people want is for, um, you know, for Anna to really hear what they're saying and, un- and really understand um, where the hurt is coming from, where the disappointment is coming from. I think it's, it's great to, um, ex- for her to explain the thinking behind the cover, but sometimes uh, I think you do better um, not explaining yourself so vociferously and just spending more time listening 
to why people are upset and, you know, and press on, um, you know, it's in order to, to course correct, um, you know, there's no magic bullet. I mean, there's no way to just sort of immediately um, make people happy. You just have to, uh, you know, do better the next time and the time after that and the time after that. And, and I think it's also helpful to recognize the way in which things went astray. Like what was missing from the conversation about the cover that uh, allowed this misstep to happen? Yeah, there was ultimately a point where they, as a team, were making a decision between the more formal, might I say, presidential portrait and the more casual image of Kamala Harris in, you know, in Converse sneakers. And for some reason, there was a judgment call they made to go with the more casual approach, with that, which I guess based on the response they felt was in more keeping with the times, that there was something in that judgment call that, that fell down. Yeah, and you know, I would perhaps ask myself, who was, what, what point of view was missing from the room when we were having those conversations? Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, even if there had been someone, if there was or was not someone there arguing, uh, you know, the point of view of the many, many social media critics, um, and it may very well have made the same decision. But, you know, I think any smart manager, any smart leader wants to have all of the information before they make the ultimate decision. And so I think it serves as sort of a reminder that, you know, it's obviously it's to her benefit, um, you know, in being a good, the best editor in chief that one can be to have as much information about your readership as possible. Yeah. It, it strikes me as really interesting also that maybe five to 10 years ago, like we would never have been having this conversation because one, there would there wasn't a woman vice president or presidential president to put on the cover. It was always first lady. So this is the first time there's an elected official on the cover of American Vogue, which is a big deal. Um, but you know, Vogue and other fashion media, you know, they kind of strayed away from politics before. And you know, in the current climate, you know, just like fashion companies or you know, consumer facing companies in general, like everyone feels like they need to, to get involved now and to, to take a position. And I guess it just underscores just how, how important it is that when you are taking that position, you're doing it in a way that kind of reflects the community of people that you're trying to reach. Yeah, and you know, I think it's also worth pointing out that you know, this was a cover that was photographed uh, you know, by a black photographer uh, the sittings editor is black. Um, the author of the accompanying feature is black. And so uh, I, I think this really points to um, the fact that, um, you know, diversity and inclusivity and truly having a multi-cultural, uh, multifaceted, deep understanding 
of, um, you know, the, all the people that you're trying to reach and that you're speaking to is complicated. And it's, you know, it's not just about uh, the numbers in the room or on a masthead. Um, It's about the converse. It's about the conversation and the openness of that conversation. And, you know, I, I, I'm thrilled that, you know, the photographer, um, you know, had this opportunity, but I would also say, you know, I think that you also, you have to pair the right photographer with the right job. And just saying that you have a black photographer isn't necessarily the end of the story because every photographer is different. Every photographer has a point of view and and a style and a sensibility. And so you have to take that into consideration as well. No, absolutely. Well, there's a a lot of lessons to be learned. And as you said, this isn't something that can be fixed with the silver bullet. Um, This is an ongoing journey for not just Vogue, it's many companies and publications throughout the fashion industry. So I'm, I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to hear your perspective directly. As soon as I read your column, I said, I just want to talk to her some more. So thank you so much for taking the time uh, to, to go into this deeper with me and help um, to kind of uncover uh, and explain um, you know, where things might have gone wrong. So thanks a lot, Robin. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, have a good day. Thanks, you too. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis, regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, and all of the online courses and learning materials from BOF Education. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. 
The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.